Welcome to Behind the Brands. So, you found us. <laughs> well done, you. Our little podcast all about the fashion industry. Let me just tell you about the host and the creator of this podcast. The guy's from the UK and his name is Warren Parker Mills. Warren's literally worked with some of the best people in the business and met some incredible brands along the way. Now he feels it's time to kind of do things a little differently. He'll be catching up with amazing storytellers from across the globe as they share some of those unwritten secrets that they've managed to figure out for themselves. From brands you'll recognize to small artisan creators that have mastered their craft. You'll hear about their collections, sales, and their ongoing quest for sustainability. So if you're an aspiring designer, an influencer, or just a massive fan of listening to fascinating conversation, stay right where you are. Hello, listener. Welcome back. Hope you are well. Hope you've had a good week. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Brands podcast. And if we have any new listeners, a massive welcome to you as well. Thank you for joining us. Um, This is the show where I have the absolute delight of interviewing incredibly creative people that either work within or alongside the fashion industry. And just to kind of set the scene here, we don't talk about celebrity style. We don't talk about red carpet events. We talk to real people working bloody hard explaining what they do and why they do it inarguably probably one of the most well it is actually come on let's face it it's the best industry in the world and i know i'm biased but let's just face facts here ladies and gents you are here also listening to this podcast so i kind of think that you also want to try and get more of an understanding or an appreciation for those people on the other side of the swing ticket, as we say. So let's talk about today's guest. We are going to be speaking to an emerging designer. She's called Sarah Thompson, and she's lived most of her life in the northeast of the UK. And she's had a, a lifetime fascination, really, with agricultural clothing. She's also really into upcycling, and she's got a wonderful little brand called Tomo. She's still very, very new to the industry. But honestly, whenever Sarah gets new fabrics or she finds fabrics, or she hunts down fabrics or she borrows fabrics she just creates incredible stuff so i hope you enjoy this show i had a lovely conversation with sarah and i will see you guys on the other side hey sarah welcome to the podcast how are you today i'm good thank you warren nice to speak with you today Nice to speak to you too. We were going to do this recording last week, but you got blighted by a horrible cold, didn't you? I did. I did. Fortunately, it wasn't COVID. I think it was just the end of summer, change of weather, a bit of a head curled. Um, <laughs> feeling much better this week, though. So, good, yeah. Good. Ready Excellent. To chat. Good stuff. Well, that's what we're here for. So, Thank you for joining us. Um, I wanted to catch up with you, Sarah, because I was fascinated with your story, even though I know a little bit about it, but I want to dig a little bit deeper into what you're about and how you've got to where you've got to, because with the greatest respect, you are relatively new to the industry. And actually, for me, that's quite fascinating because a lot of people that I speak to are either veterans or coming out of the industry or gone into consultancy or doing some other bits and pieces but for you there's a whole career path ahead of you and um, I just wanted to capture your thoughts on on that really more so than anything else so before we start do you want to tell us a little bit about you and what you're up to at the moment what do you do Sarah tell us all yeah definitely um so yeah I'm Sarah and I'm um I've just launched my own brand um Tomo which I launched mm-hmm. in March of this year so like you said relatively new 
I graduated from Sheffield Hallam um, with a degree in fashion design in 2019. Um, and then obviously six months later, or about eight months later, we hit the pandemic um, yeah. and I lost my job, um, which I'd literally just just secured really and kind of felt a bit like, well, I'm I'm back to square one a little bit. Um, yeah. But it was at uni um, that I started doing more like sustainable fashion and working with upcycling clothes and that's where I really found my feet in like design um, and really started to like love creating from old and unwanted clothing really. My final collection the farming people was based on farmers because I grew up in, in the northeast um, near a little town called Whitby um, on a farm which is a huge part of who I am and I actually live back at home at the minute which is amazing and my first collection that I made was just from like farmers old workwear which I wow. recycled into new pieces and so that kind of that was kind of the start of I think where I am now um I yeah. was very fortunate to be selected to show my work at graduate fashion week which is in mm -hmm. 2019 mm -hmm. and then I was also selected as one of four graduates to showcase my work at London Fashion Week, wow. which was in February of 2020, just before the pandemic hit. So yeah. I was very fortunate to have that opportunity. And I had actually, in that time between the shows, secured a job at River Island. Um, but very shortly after yeah. I started working there, the pandemic hit and I lost my job. And you know, you've been through the mill a little bit. It hasn't really been an easy ride, Warren. I'm going to be honest because I was. It the last, never is. Yeah, I was the last one out of all my uni friends to kind of secure a role in the industry. It, yeah. it took me months um, yeah. and was quite a long slog. And the really difficult thing I found was I knew I didn't really want to work in high street fashion. I knew it kind of wasn't where I wanted to be, and I wanted to work in more positive fashion and, and maybe working with upcycling but at the start of my career I knew I just had to gain experience yeah and yeah. you know you learn so much from any role within the industry yeah so I was happy to get my job at River Island but I did honestly spend a day and a half in that office and then they were like you're gonna have to work from home after eight months of like trying to get a job so bad oh. I was like I don't want to work from home um, <laughs> and then obviously shortly after the I lost my job and I moved back home because um, yeah. I was living in London at the time. Yeah. And then I just thought, maybe I'm not meant to work. Maybe this is like the world telling me that the fashion <laughs> that I want to create, I just need to go out and do it. You know, once we started getting through the pandemic, I started doing some different projects and that kind of all led to me launching Toma um, in March this year. Amazing. Goodness me, Sarah. I mean, <laughs> you beautifully kind of encapsulated all the struggles and everything else over yeah. the last year. You know what? And actually, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier and says that it hasn't been easy because it never is easy. You know, this is an yeah. industry filled with potholes and pitfalls and rises and downs and all the other bits and pieces that go with it and actually it's credit to your resilience and I do want to talk a little bit more about your position in London and what took you to London and all the anticipation that you felt around you know getting yeah. that job especially after trying to obviously secure something and your timing was beautifully bad as was <laughs> everyone's you know yeah um <laughs> But let's talk a little bit about, I mean, you mentioned earlier about your collection, your original collection or your graduate collection being kind of structured around farming and agriculture and everything else. Yeah. So for anybody from across the world, because we have probably 45 countries listening to the podcast, yeah. where is Whitby and what's Whitby like? 
Um, so Whitby is on the northeast coast. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of just below Newcastle. Um, but I live in like the North Yorkshire Moors. Um, Whitby's a small fishing town. It's yeah. it's a small area. It's it's it really is beautiful. Um, and yeah, I I was very fortunate to grow up. I mean, I actually live twenty minutes from Whitby itself, and I mm -hmm. do generally kind of live in the middle of the Moors, in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, just grew up on a farm. Both my parents run um, a livestock farm, and I think I've always said I think it's kind of led me to be quite a creative person because I've always been out with nature and you know I've been lucky to grow up near the uh, on the moors and like near the sea um and it is a really beautiful part of the world um and I think it's a huge part of who I am because uh, mm. it is a bit of a lifestyle and and as soon as I got the chance to kind of choose what I wanted to focus my own collection on I knew farming kind of would be the be the base of it because I think yeah. it's kind of a huge part of who I am and yeah and inspires me as a designer so was there any pressure for you to get into the farming kind of world? I mean, were you, were you, were you ever challenged to suppress your creative flair or were your mum and dad quite happy for you just to be happy and do what you wanted to do? Yeah, my mum and dad are literally they're amazing. They have always said, um, both, I have a brother, so they just kind of said to both of us, you've just got to go and do, because they both grew up from, they both we're from farming families so okay. you know me and my brother are kind of cutting the generation of farmers but you know they're so supportive um and so yeah I'm very lucky in that sense yeah and what was it about agriculture where what was it about the actual product that kind of fascinated you I think it's you know growing up um you know we spent all our time out on the farm and mm -hmm. you know we got a lot of like we had a lot of old tatty clothes like and even like just like hand me down some people and, and it wasn't really about new clothes mm. you know because there's no point buying a brand new jacket to go help dad like fence it on the farm do you know what I mean so it's kind of about like <laughs> clothes that were really comfortable and practical yeah. and I don't know I think in a world where fashion now is all about it being new and on trend and like having it now mm. clothes in the farming community are more kind of probably adored and like loved by their owners and I have was hugely connected to so many different garments that some were passed down some were just stuff that I just absolutely loved wearing mm. and I think like I say in a, in a world of more faster fashion we lose that connection so it's kind of about embracing the fact that a lot of the clothes that I upcycled had been so worn you know they they were you could see how well worn they'd been. Some of them had like tears in them and some of them had marks on them, but it's kind of celebrating that rather than yeah. seeing that and disregarding them. Yeah. What was your favourite growing up as a kid or, or even as a teenager? What was your most cherished clothing then? I mean, you talked about kind of, I mean, it's wonderful how you talk about workwear in such a passionate way because <laughs> I can hear it in your voice though, Sarah. I can hear you, you know, exuding this this wonder of this of this product type which to be fair I've never really thought about it yeah. but I completely get where you're coming from with regards to you know you're out on the farm you know hell on high water you're out there doing what you do all the stains have been earned do you understand what I mean yeah. by that what's yeah. your favorite piece is there anything that stands out that you just think I used to love that fleece or jacket or dungarees or whatever it was uh it's funny actually because just because you've mentioned fleece because I still wear one of my dad's one of my dad's fleeces that I absolutely <laughs> love it's just a green it's just a green fleece to run it and my mum is always like can you stop wearing that fleece <laughs> I just absolutely love it and like 
I've got, I've still got a jacket of my granddad's that he used to wear, like a, a waterproof jacket that I just absolutely love. Yeah. Um, and I remember as a kid having, I had a naff naff jacket when I was younger that was definitely passed on from some family friends that I just, I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah. And I think I am very much like that clothing to me, the sentimental value, like mm. means so much more. And yeah. that kind of the story behind it or where it's come from is, yeah. is what most of my wardrobe is, is made up of kind of thing. So yeah, so yeah anything, anything really, I have, <laughs> I have a lot of clothes that have been, like my grandparents' clothes and my, a lot of my dad's actually. Um, and I just, yeah, I just love, I just love anything that's kind of got Amazing. a bit of a story behind it, really. Yeah, no, that's really great. Great to hear that. And actually, you just reminded me of a, an old brand there. And anyone who may be listening might not know the brand Naf Naf, but it was so popular in its day. Honestly, it was like, and, and actually all those kind of 80s iconic brands, you know, 80s and 90s, Naf Naf. Yeah. United Colors of Benetton, you know, all those types of brands. They, for me, growing up as an inner city guy in Birmingham, you know, those are the brands that everybody had. Yeah. Um, and it's lovely to hear you say that name again. It's it's a blast from the past for me. So thank you for that. So, okay, so you were on the farm. You loved what you were doing. You'd got all this inspiration from the clothing and the people around you. Then you went to uni in Sheffield. So yeah. you went to Hallam, right? Um, yeah. what was what What was that experience like for you, Sarah? how did you enjoy yeah. uni life I absolutely loved uni um it was a mm-hmm. really good uni it was a bit of a you know a smaller university I would say the class sizes were a bit smaller um just because I think it's a bit of a smaller city you know yeah. and I just I actually think Sheffield now the fashion design course is doing really well and mm-hmm. is really up and coming um I know like even from when I started uni they didn't have a catwalk show at graduate fashion week and obviously, like, by the time I left, they did. And they are really growing. And they've got some really great tutors there. Um, yeah. So I was very lucky. I had a really good uni experience. Um, yeah, just yeah, had, cool. had an absolute blast when I was there, to be honest. Yeah. But do you really think that the uni and the tutors, they prepared you for commerciality outside of uni? Was that something that they were quite proactive on or not? I think I think yeah I think they obviously give you all the skills you kind of need you know from from learning CAD to your illustration skills you know mm-hmm. and I and I think they are they have been really great I think I maybe struggled more with the commercialness which I think is why after leaving uni I had some really great interviews and I had real good chats with companies but I think they always thought that my work wasn't as commercial and I don't know how keen I was to shift to being commercial yeah. you know so yeah. I would say maybe that's a fault of my own almost that I struggled with being more commercial maybe through my portfolio or whatever but I think the universities do really they are really supportive I mean even now mm. I'm still in touch with you know my tutors and stuff um, and they've supported me a lot and continue to support me so they've been fab in that sense but the commercial side for me was where I probably struggled if that makes sense rather yeah. than the uni failing me on that that makes yeah no it it makes perfect sense and actually you you mentioned something there about you know maybe I got it wrong actually I don't think you got it wrong because what you did you you've actually stuck to what you do best and and where your heart is and that's really really important and obviously what you you what you wouldn't want to be doing is 
molding your creativity into a commercial product line would actually yeah. when it's presented and it goes out into the world you it doesn't come from where you're at and i yeah. think that's that's really really important no that's great great answer so uh, yeah perfect and your final presentation then um where did all that come from from a from a conceptual perspective was there any other elements that you brought into that that kind of formulated the look of the collection it was really and even even now with what i'm doing I remember coming back home and collecting about four holdalls of, of people's clothes that they no longer use, all farms in the community. They all literally, I went to their houses and dug out some <laughs> amazing things for me. And I'm so grateful for them for doing that for me. Um, yeah. And I still think as a designer, it wasn't really until I laid all that stuff out and started working with it that I knew what any of it was going to look like. And I think that's the way I do work as a designer. I feel very inspired by the stuff that's in front of me. And then I get to work. I think I have an eye for things and I know how I want things to end up. But I think it's only when I'm working with fabrics, which I'm still doing now, I start putting the fabrics together. And then that's when I feel like everything comes to life for me in my head. Mm -hmm. And I think, oh, this fabric's beautiful. If I use this and tie this with it, do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's a bit of, um, it, my, my methods work, but it's quite, I kind of see and just keep working on things and the beauty of patchworking and stuff is you can keep working back into them and adding mm -hmm. layers, adding stitching. Um, so yeah, and I like working like that. I think I like yeah. just kind of going for it and seeing where, where something takes me rather than being too controlled and having yeah. to sit, you know, I think I like to just go with the flow and see what, see what I can create really, not having too many boundaries. Yeah. So it's more of an evolution then, you know, for it's yeah. a creative evolution than you yeah. saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is what it needs to look like. This is the spec. Yeah. So you will go off piece from time to time, no doubt. Yeah, and and you'll think, just you'll do what you like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes that caused my tutors quite a lot of stress <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't maybe the best at kind of, like you said, doing everything in the order we were maybe meant to you know I probably did do things a bit differently and in the same sense of the commercial side of things you know I think maybe my brain's just wired a bit differently I don't know do you know what I mean so and I love working like that so it's definitely sometimes caused annoyance I think especially to my teachers <laughs> trying to teach me at times but I, I you know at the end it does it does well you get the results and that's, that's what results. it's all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just on the commerciality, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm finding a weakness here and I want to really understand <laughs> it. No, not, it's not a weakness. But actually, I mean, you've, you, you said yourself, you went down to London, you got a mm -hmm. job with a, with a big a big retailer selling lots yeah. and lots of volumes and okay, maybe it was a blessing in disguise that, that, that didn't work out because it wouldn't, you wouldn't be where you're at now with, with Tomo if you, if you exactly. obviously stayed in London, would you? So no. what was, was there a moment when you thought, do you know what? I think I can make some money out of this. Was there that point or was it just, I mean, how did you start bringing the brand together and bringing it to life? It, it was literally when I came home, um for the lockdown and I actually was used my time because I was furloughed before I lost my job um, and I did mm -hmm. just start making masks and bags for the like bag wash bags for the NHS and making some masks just because I had the time to and I had some spare fabric um and then the reality of the fact that I was going to lose my job mm. and not kind of go back to London was kind of hitting in and I just kind of thought, you know what, I'll use this time because nobody was employing people. And I was like, I'll see if I can do some collaborations and see what what I can do, like, as me, do you know what I mean, mm -hmm. rather than trying to find work. Um, and I got a collaboration with By Rotation, which is like a dress rental app. 
Um, and, you know, having kind of explored sustainable techniques and since being at uni and, and working in that sector, I've done more and more. And obviously rental apps are another great way, which mm -hmm. I fully support um, platforms yeah. like that. Yeah. So I just created them three dresses um, out of all fabric left over from my collections. Wow. And I absolutely loved it. I had a great time. My mum's living room then turned into a mini Tomo studio, <laughs> which again, bless her, she was very good about. And, <laughs> and then when I kind of did that and I loved it, and then it was like, well, I'm going to have to apply for jobs again. And I just remember thinking like, can I not just keep doing what I've just done? Mm -hmm. do, do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that was kind yeah. of it really. And yeah. you know, I've been very fortunate to have the support of like my family and stuff. And it's been more, again, you say COVID, and the pandemic it's such a it's I mean it's been such a tough time and so hard for so many people but for me it kind of has been a blessing and I think in a time when the world was literally shut down I just thought you know what why don't I just give it a go now yeah. nobody's going to employ me in the next it took me like eight months to get my first job so after yeah. a pandemic I was like god knows how long it's going to take me this time <laughs> yeah so I was just like, you know what like just try it out and let's see what yeah. happens yeah and it's just kept developing from there um, yeah amazing and you know I've like I said I've been quite fortunate to have different opportunities and get, getting to go to London Fashion Week just before the um, pandemic hit mm -hmm. uh, you know I got a chance to meet with loads of different people and kept with them connections and you know I've met some great people from literal graduation to before the pandemic that mm -hmm. I just kind of I just kind of went for it to be honest I just thought yeah. why, why not give it a try and yeah I'm still going at this point. So, you are. Yeah. <laughs> you are indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And doing well, you know, and I think that's that is testament to your resilience there, Sarah. You know, you do just the first time I spoke to you, I kind of came off the call and thought she's going to be great. She's just going to be great because you're not phased. You're talented and you're not phased. And that's actually quite it's quite an interesting mix because a lot of people are super, super talented, but they won't put themselves out of their comfort zone. You know, they won't make that call. They won't make that connection. And for me, I think with you, I think, you know, you in London networking and getting around and also being part of this upcycling community which yeah. is really really important and I want to talk a little bit about that because it is a community and it is an ecosystem and correct me if I'm wrong but the sense that I get from knowing quite a few people like Terence from uh, Never Fade London yeah. and those types of guys they're just so inclusive and so supportive of everybody um, how do you find that community and also how do you find living in Whitby when yeah. obviously there are a lot of people living down in London or most yeah. of the other cities. How do you how do you manage those relationships? I think um, it is an amazing community because everyone you meet, every designer I see or, you know, you, you come across or you make that connection with that want to create positive fashion and want to kind of take new steps and create fashion differently to kind of the mass production that we see now. I think it's it's not a com it doesn't feel as competitive I think everyone's just so passionate about about doing their bit that when they see someone else doing something similar or something you know like you know my kind of main thing is preventing clothes from landfill and creating them into something new that's kind of what at the minute I'm doing and then yeah. I meet designers that are like dying with natural products and and it's amazing or I see people doing similar stuff and I don't think it's kind of as competitive. Everyone's just so excited to see like a generation of designers that are all like 
putting efforts in and and like developing there's some amazing things going on in terms of mm. even like the more sciencey side of things of the technologies and the fabrics people are creating now that yeah. I think it is such a friendly community and it's everyone's so passionate and enthusiastic about it um mm -hmm. and I've met some amazing people like you said um never fed I did a collaboration with them it actually was like last year but because of different lockdowns it took us a while to actually bring to life but yeah like working with them um when I was at London Fashion Week I met um Nina who is the founder of Ritua which is another kind of marketplace which brings designers together where you can have garments upcycled and I've met mm -hmm. so many people through that and obviously being up north has its drawbacks at times but I go down to London um I'm actually going down at the end of this month and mm -hmm. I just go down for weekends I'm very fortunate that quite a few of my uni friends are now down there um living down there so I just sleep on their sofas um <laughs> sofa surfing yeah yeah get to see them and you know cool. we, we're so lucky now that social media and you know zoom and all these things can mean that you can connect and you know I can do a collaboration with a brand and not actually physically go to London just speak through yeah. zoom or, or whatever platform yeah. Yeah. so it's just making it work really um yeah. for the time being like it, it is where I'm based and I love I do love being in the north and mm -hmm. there's trains do you know what I mean like I can yeah. I can you can make it work and yeah. again it's stuff like zoom and stuff is just makes it so much easier um, yeah. and I think people yeah. are really understanding of it I've never come across anyone that's you know usually when I say where I'm from people are pretty excited to hear more about it or why mm -hmm. or you know mm -hmm. so yeah. it's not really it doesn't really cause too many issues which is yeah. good and you're amongst all that agricultural clothing as well aren't you which you don't uh, see a lot of in no. Soho yeah that's no. for sure no, not as much. <laughs> oh that's brilliant listen I want to talk to you about a an amazing initiative something that actually people have been striving for for many many years to get in with a quality retailer I want to yeah. talk to you a little bit about your um your work with Selfridges in London mm -hmm. so can you tell us a little bit about how that kind of um initiative came together what, what how did it happen Sarah what happened there so again, mentioning Ritua, which I'm a designer for, that is mm -hmm. um, a kind of platform. Definitely check it out because it's a yeah. really great place that have brought a real range of designers um, together that, again, all work with different kind of sustainable techniques. Um, and it was actual um, Nina that um, secured the pop-up in Selfridges. Um, okay. And being yeah. one of the designers on her on her platform, mm -hmm. um, we well, all of us got a chance to go down there and mm -hmm. have our pieces in, in Selfridges, which, you know, again, for me, it, it has been kind of crazy considering I only launched my brand back in March, mm -hmm. but it's been amazing. Um, and yeah, a really good, you know, creating Toma in lockdown did mean that I haven't actually physically sold anything anywhere outside of the studio near Whitby yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. Yeah. and so I've had to rely on just online so to actually have my pieces in a physical space you know and for and for random passing trade to bump into my brand rather than mm. it them have to go search me on you know that was just a huge experience for me and something that's been yeah just just brilliant for the brand and kind of a great way to like say have Toma in London and I definitely, I've got another selling space um, with Ritua again, actually, in Westfields um, okay. at the yeah. end of the month. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm going to keep kind of pushing that selling my selling my brand in other locations because mm-hmm. especially after being in lockdown for so long as well like it's so nice to even for me as the designer to be able to go to that space and see see some of the other designers and see the other people's work and have my work there because we've, yeah. we've all been like in lockdown for so long like we yeah. need to get out and and start seeing fashion again in real life rather than just online yeah I think there's also a massive benefit I mean I've done it with with some of the brands that I've worked with previously you know I've sold them into stores and actually I've spent time in the stores you know I mean again this is really really important because once you sell it in that's not where the selling stops you have to sell it through because if you don't sell it through you don't get any repeat business so actually to be in situ to be in a store and to engage with customers looking at the brand and to educate them and to give them the whole spiel about the brand and where it came from and where where the impetus for the collections came from that's so so important and it's not always about obviously telling your story it's also about listening to what the potentially they like and what they don't like because that obviously helps your brand as well no, that's really good. And um, no, that's brilliant about uh, about Westfield because, again, great location, huge footfall. And um, yeah, that would be good. That would be so, so cool. So I've got a couple of questions that I've got written down here and they're kind of I've thrown them in, really, just to kind of get your angle of where you are as a business and mm-hmm. um what you would do. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is if you had £10,000 just miraculously land in Tomo's yeah. bank account what would yeah. you do with it Sarah what would what would be the first thing you would buy or how would you spend it oh god I don't even know um you know it'd probably be to work towards being in I mean I'm very lucky I've got a small studio um mm-hmm. that's perfect for me it's you know it's yeah literally perfect right now but I think I would like to work towards Tomo being more of an open space um, studio where people can come in and people can, yeah. you know, donate clothes and also see. I think the thing that I, uh, well, for me, I find really interesting is people give me their unwanted garments and fabrics. And like I was saying to you earlier, like I often feel very inspired by like the colors or the prints or some of the stuff that comes through. And I'd love to have kind of like an open space where customers could call in you know see maybe even just think oh my god that like I love that fabric there kind of be able to Mm -hmm. pull it out and be like what can we do with this because I love you know I love this or potentially bring in some of their own and be like I've got this and I want to work with some of the fabrics to create something you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing um so it would it would be eventually to move Tomo to a location where you know talking about footfall and stuff it's a bit more of an open space that I can start building a community where um you know, I'd love to work with people and as much as creating positive fashion is what I'm doing right now, I think it's going back to teaching people more about how we can care for our clothes a bit more or mend more or, mm-hmm. you know, upcycle even ourselves because yeah. that that is the key to it at the end of the day. Yeah. We don't always have to dispose of everything that's slightly broken or slightly worn. It's mm-hmm. maybe thinking, and if I ever had the opportunity to have a space where I could do workshops with people and teach people the skills to then be able to use their own skills to create stuff like to me that would be absolutely amazing and kind of where I would want to head into building a, a small like little Tomo community where we wow um, and you know teach each other as well you know like patchworking is kind of where I'm at the minute but I know designers that work on dyeing and stuff and it's like bringing mm. people like that in to show people 
you know you don't have to just buy sachets of dye you can I mean you can go out even in my final collection I dyed with like rust which yep. I did experiments with and you know just creating a community where we all learn and teach each other and just celebrate mm. kind of working with what we have around us rather than buying new wow that's a great answer that is such a great and um well thought out answer even though I've only just asked you the question because what I love about that Sarah and it, it struck me actually when we had the conversation a couple of weeks ago is your you mentioned there about upskilling people and making mm-hmm. everything a little bit more interactive and yeah. actually that's something that I'm really really interested in you know yeah. this kind of environment which is kind of part factory part retail part mm-hmm. education part yeah. involvement part participation I just think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there and, and I would love to see that and whether that's in a high street environment or yeah. any other type of environment I think it'd just be so so amazing to see yeah. because um, you know for you to pass on those types of skills as well that's going to fill you with so much like gratification knowing that yeah. you've educated someone and they're going to carry it on and they might have kids and they carry it on and on yeah. and on. I mean, it's, it's legacy. It's creative legacy, I suppose, is one way to put it. It's uh, that's a bloody good answer. <laughs> I would say so myself. Um, I just also want to ask you a little bit about kind of social media and how that plays a part in the Tomo brand, because you do do a lot of social media. And how do you balance your time from head down over a sewing machine to creating a post and putting it into Canva and coming up with some graphics? How do you do that? It's a bit of a struggle, Warren, I'm not going to lie. If you ask any of my friends and family, I'm always finding it quite difficult to, like you said, balancing the time. Mm. between both because and I say this to everyone I could make like a hundred of the best dresses anybody's ever seen but unless I can promote that through social media and show people you know they're just going to sit they're going to sit in my little studio aren't they so it's something that I keep working on um Mm -hmm. and just keep trying to learn as I go you know it's I think it's something that I'll keep learning forever yeah, I don't think yeah. I'll ever quite crack it. And it's just trying out new things um, and trying to keep fresh ideas coming through. And, you know, mm-hmm. look, looking at um, – there's loads of different people on Instagram that do kind of like free, like coaching almost, and they give tips and tricks and little stuff like that. So I'm always like dipping in and trying to save, mm. save their person, remember like, yeah. right, try this yeah. on this. And a lot of it is trial and error. Like, yeah. again, I launched in March and I'm still – figuring a lot of things out as I go Mm. um but trying not to put too much pressure on it and just see and some Instagram posts I think right that's done really well like keep doing them and some I'm just like okay maybe maybe that one didn't work out so well (laughs) (laughs) and you know it is a minefield but at the same time I'm so incredibly lucky that I'm in a generation where it's free marketing so Mm. you know obviously it's such a big platform to be to have an Instagram account and be able to share it with you know even like reels and stuff now they get shared just with yeah everyone really so yeah yeah and I think it's just one of them things I've I've like read different articles and stuff that say you should be spending as much time on your social media as you are like your production um so yeah I'm it's something I'm slowly working on and I keep trying new things like at the minute I'm trying to like draft all my posts 
mm-hmm. before before the week, like on one day, and then all I have to yeah. do is release them. So it doesn't, con- yeah. it feels like it doesn't consume as much as my time. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of them that you know, I'm I'm still learning very much. So it's um, just, it's just in effect, what it is, it's just managing your time, isn't it? You know, you're yeah. populating all those posts ahead. You're sticking yeah. them in, you know, Hootsuite or whatever the platform yeah. is, and and away it goes. I want to ask you a little bit about because obviously, what you do from a um, you know, I've looked at your Instagram many, many yeah. times. In fact, that's how I found you. <laughs> um, and, you know, you, you often share videos and things like that as well of how you make stuff and yeah. little tips and things like that, which is brilliant to watch. What about you getting inspiration? Do you use Pinterest at all? And if you do, what kind of what kind of things are you looking on there for? Um, I use Pinterest a little bit, but not not massively, really. When I first launched my brand, it was actually more of a buy now so on my website there was just dresses and tops that you could buy and Mm -hmm. that was that was how it worked and it was about six months after launch and I started to think well you know would maybe kind of people been able to make to order be a bit bit better because then I haven't Mm -hmm. got x like waste stock hung up with like you know yeah at the studio not being used um so then I made a slight shift then and started doing made to order pieces um and kind of decided that I wanted to do a bit of a build your own so people can actually go onto my website and there's different features. So the dresses, there's kind of two types of dresses, but you can choose which sleeve you want or if you don't want a sleeve, what neckline you want. Um, and so I think it's a weird one because even looking back at the first dresses I made, I feel like mm-hmm. I've developed very much like in terms of the dresses I'm selling now are much better than the first ones I was doing. Yeah. And obviously the process and even how work has changed so much because again, it's all just development. And I think, yeah. I mean, I was never going to launch Tom and it be absolutely perfect. I probably, Tom will never be absolutely perfect to be honest, but do you know what I mean? And it is just slowly developing it. And I think, yeah, that's how I probably, I probably look at what I've worked on so far and kind of take the inspiration or, or look at the, the good and the bad in what I've done and kind of keep developing from there and again a huge part of my inspiration is working with the actual fabric so I yeah people can put an order in with me and they'll maybe tell me kind of some of the fabrics they might want to use so they might say pastely pastely pinks and greens or something and then mm-hmm. I go and have a look at my stock and I start pulling out the fabric and you know I work with the customer we kind of work together um but it's kind of once I see the fabrics, yeah. that's when I feel like I'm the most inspired. And, you know, obviously, you as a designer, you take inspiration from everything around like around you daily. And, you know, you see new trends of dresses come out and stuff like that. So I'm always I'm always kind of just trying to take inspiration from everything around me, really. Mm. Um, and just keep developing Tomo to hopefully try and keep tweaking it and getting it yeah. like, better and better as I go, really. Yeah. And what I like about the way that you manage your business, though, Sarah, you've got this wonderful pace. You you know, you're not like a, I don't know, a bull in a china shop, as we say. You know, you're not in, you want to change the world and you want to do it this way and that's it. Get yeah. out and make your money and live on a live in a hammock for the rest of your life. You know, to me, it sounds as if you're very methodical and you, you've got really good values in your business, which I, I really love, you know, customer service, that interaction, that bespoke, you know, that, do you know what I mean? That understanding yeah. of what your customers want. Plus that will be also driven by seeing product and then the imagination comes into it. And I think it's a really nice mix. But the only thing that I would say, and again, this is this is something I'd love to get your feedback on. How can you scale that? Because that sounds quite... Um, 
not saying that you have to scale it, but how how are you going to maximize your time with regards to this backwards and forwards and build your own? And is that something you've automated on your website or not? It is something that at the minute um, is working, um, but is definitely room for improvement. And in in October, um, I'm actually um, doing like a little kind of business business course that is going to hopefully help me with my social media and some of that stuff. And I'll admittedly say the website for me is I've, I've built it myself and I'm happy with it, but it, mm-hmm. you know it does need tweaking yeah. as the dresses when I first made them have been tweaked. I'm kind of getting happy with them now. October mm-hmm. is going to be the month of tweaking my website and developing that. Um, and obviously being right at the start, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm making money. I'm starting to, you know, starting to make a little bit of money, but very much at the start. And obviously being 24, I've, I, you know, I, I got a job and then I lost my job. So, you know, my savings <laughs> aren't huge. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So yeah. it's, it's a case of just keeping developing everything. I mean, one day I would love to have a system that does obviously work a bit better in terms of ordering. I have it now that it works, but I know it needs tweaking and yeah. it's kind of, speaking with people maybe getting some web developers advice and stuff like that and seeing seeing what can be done because mm-hmm. especially the website world to me a little bit early and you know mm-hmm. it's stuff I really need to start learning about a bit more um and yeah so there's definitely room for improvement that way and in terms of even when I first started selling my stuff I, I've realized that now since working with customers and customers kind of coming to me and telling me exactly what they want and making a dress that I know the customer really does want because it's mm-hmm. it's per- they, they've picked what sleeve and what length and you know so I kind of know it's for them mm-hmm. and it's really for me as a designer like it makes my job so much more enjoyable working with them and yeah. kind of creating something that there's not going to be another one of them out there you know, they've maybe opted for a colour scheme that they really, really love or even incorporated mm. a top of their own that they really love or something. So it's it's all about creating these one-off pieces and mm. as a designer, it makes it much more enjoyable and hopefully as a customer, it makes it more enjoyable. And in terms of like upscaling, if that day ever does arrive, it'll we'll just have to see. I mean, obviously the make-up point, if I ever had a bigger space, that it would be in terms of employing employing somebody else to help yeah. with production and stuff so there's like obviously we've said this whole way through the chat I'm still mm-hmm. very much at the start and every step I kind of take I keep just seeing how that goes and figuring mm-hmm. it out and going from there <laughs> so don't know, I could be a million steps away from that well that do you know what bit, yeah but I'm just seeing and seeing how <laughs> things roll to be honest it's the best way and I've said this many many times to conversate you know with people that I've had conversations with you know when you when you come into the trade it's not as if you know when you leave uni and you go into the big wide world out there I know you've had your hardships I know you've had your disappointments but you've been resilient and you've stuck to it but you don't get a manual you know no one goes yeah. oh by the way you want a fashion brand read the manual you don't get that you know and I make the analogy of having a child you know when I had my first born I remember leaving the hospital and I'd got my carry cot thing with my wife tootling off behind me and you know no nurse came out and says oh you forgot your handbook on teething or you know anything like that with regards to children and and the point I'm trying to make there is you have to work it out you have to try stuff get it wrong pick yourself up and hopefully it's not detrimental to the business overall and um you know you learn from those experiences and um so I think what is really good Sarah is that you're not pressuring yourself you're doing what you do you're keeping your values really really tight to what you do and the reason why you do it 
And that's why you will be successful. And we will have another conversation in a year's time. And maybe we could record another episode. I've never done that before. I'd love to do that with you. In 12 months from today, make a note in your diary, listeners, for the the yearly update. Don't let me down, Sarah. (laughs) Um, That would be ace. That would be be so cool. I do think um, having left uni and just feeling like I kind of had to get a job, and mm. I felt a lot of pressure then and put a lot of pressure on myself that I had to kind of finish, do something with my degree and get a job. And then I think the pandemic for everyone, it's kind of made us all realise that actually you can make all these plans, but you don't know what's going to happen. And I think Absolutely. that that's one huge lesson I learned. I know a lot, obviously a lot of other people did. And, and I just think now, yeah, instead of putting loads of pressure on and 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 putting loads of pressure on for Toma to be this thing, I'll just see how it does grow. And in the last six months, I'm incredibly happy with how it's grown and where I am. And if hopefully, if in the next six months we can grow this, you know, so it's, Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of my mindset now. And as long as I keep enjoying what I'm doing and can keep making people clothes that they love, then I'm, I'm a pretty happy designer, to be honest. Perfect. What a great summary. Um, absolutely perfect. Listen, Sarah, I know you're busy. I know you've got loads of things to make this afternoon. Yeah. Um, before we go, though, can you please, please give us some more information how people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. My um, Instagram name is Designed by Toma. And I also have a website, which is www.toma.com. And it does have an I hyphen in so it's like T-O-M hyphen mm-hmm. um, and for anyone that is London based I will be in Westfields on is it the 23rd that weekend of September okay. and I yep. am actually doing a workshop on the Sunday um, where people can get tickets and come along and do some patchworking with me um, wow. so yeah that that's where Brilliant. you can find me physically next and otherwise check out my Instagram on my website amazing um and just out of interest because there's two westfields are you in white city or are you in kind of stratford which one are you at the stratford one stratford one okay yeah. good we don't want hordes of people going to white city Look, looking I for you and they can't find you i didn't realize there was two until the other week okay <laughs> so you know the northerner that i am i didn't actually realize there was two different ones and people kept asking me and i was like oh i don't know so yeah it's the stratford yeah. one i've got confirmation okay. it's stratford <laughs> Very good. I've worked at both many, many, many times. So uh, yeah, that's why I asked. Brilliant. All right, Sarah. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time. It's been brilliant having a chat with you. And um, as I said in the in the um, in the preamble before, it's great to see new talent, great to see new talent that have got the right mindset behind what they're doing. So I wish you and the Tomo brand amazing success. And I'll see you in the year. Definitely. Thanks, Warren. All right. Thank you. Okay. See you in a bit. Bye bye. So that was Sarah there from Tomo. What a great interview. I really enjoyed that. Keep an eye on her, guys. And don't forget, try and follow her career because I've got high expectations for Sarah. No pressure, Sarah. But honestly, she was so sweet and so, so eager and keen to learn. It's just wonderful to see that. And hopefully we can get her back next year and get a little bit of an update. That would be wonderful. But let me tell you a little bit about next week's episode. And I've got a real, real treat for you. So let me tell you, if you live in Sweden and you're connected in any way, shape or form with the fashion industry over there for any length of time, you 
all know the name Per Hochnecht. And Per and I have known each other for about 18 years. And I knew him when I actually brought his brand, which was called Odd Molly, into the UK all those years ago. And I really want you to tune into this episode because we talk in depth about lots of things. We talk about how the industry's changed. We also talk about the arrival of social media and what that's done to the industry. But predominantly, we talk about Pear and his life and his stories. And we also talk about the sustainability of people within the industry because, you know, we've all been caught up in deadlines and pressure and and, and trying to kind of do what you've got to do at pace. And actually that has a knock-on effect. And that's really what the show next week is all about. I'm delighted that I managed to take a couple of hours out of his day because he's such an insightful guy. I really hope you enjoy this show. It means a lot to me. He's a real legend. And um, yeah, we get to chat a little bit about everything really, including life in general. So I will see you next week. Have a great time. Take care. Behind the Brands was brought to you in association with beforestores.com. Go check it out. You can discover new brands, meet the makers and their products before they go into stores. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. We'd really appreciate your feedback. You can also subscribe for future episodes by tapping the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, keep learning. Keep listening and keep creative.